Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Break the Cycle with me, your host, Joshua Smith. Thank you guys so much for checking out a Tuesday stream. Uh, I know everybody's in the middle of the work week and having a rough one, but I uh, I appreciate you guys always spending time here with me. We got an awesome show for you tonight, as per the usual. I'm trying to closer up camera this time. I don't know how you guys feel about it. For you guys who watch the show all the time, let me know what you think. I know you know seeing me in 1080 is probably pretty rough uh, this close, but you know who knows? Who knows? Just let me know. Uh, of course, our, we got some great sponsors. Top Lobster.com, the man, the myth, the legend, my good friend and partner on Break the Cycle, where you can get this. Great Great Scott Horton and the Wars hoodie. Uh, in fact, he just put out a Pepe version. It's like an updated version. It's got all kinds of cool stuff on it um, that you can get by joining my Patreon, my Subscribestar, or becoming a member of the YouTube channel here uh, and getting into the private Discord server where you can get his new gear up to two weeks before it goes out to the general population at like a 30% discount. Or you can go to his website right now and get everything on his website at a 10% discount by using BTC at checkout. Tell him, tell him Joshua Smith from Break the Cycle sent you. He'll be very happy you came. And, of course, executive producers of the show, AnthemPlanning.com, for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. These people are doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at, much cheaper and much more efficiently. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. Guys, they are awesome, I promise. Uh, so, we got another great show for you guys today. I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really sorry I uh, I left the, uh, the desktop audio on when I was playing the uh beginning of the intro so you guys probably heard it doubled and that sucks i know um the people that listen to the podcast are probably gonna hate it too i apologize I i'm still not completely out of the woods of the audio issues okay i, I you know you know we're at like show 82 here uh and i'm still figuring it out it's been a lot but uh we got a great show for you guys tonight uh we got the Grif grifty award-winning rap artist uh political commentator american conservative uh featured in bbc breitbart and rebel news president of the coon luminati he is patriot J. Hey, sir, how are you doing tonight? I am doing great, Joshua. How are you? Oh, you know, I can't complain, man. I can't complain. It's, uh, you know, it's it's interesting working full time, doing five days a week on a show, raising seven kids. It's it's wild. It's a wild Dang, time. You have seven kids, bro. Yeah, man. Yeah, that dude. is so cool. I want a big family one day. It's good. It's a it's a very rewarding and very very challenging thing. And we got a puppy today. Uh, so now we have so now we have seven kids and an eight week old Grand Pyrenees puppy who's going to be huge. So nice. Yeah, it's wild, man. So, uh, you know, I've checked out your, a lot of your rap songs. You're you're awesome rapper. You've done great raps with Anomaly. You did a, a, a duo, a rap duo with Anomaly, which I thought was really great. But I want to know how you came to conservatism, especially you're a California boy like me. I'm from the Bay Area, though. I'm from I'm from right outside okay. of Oakland. Uh, I know you're, so? yeah, I know you're Southern California, uh, and so you know we we probably, you're probably a little bit younger than me. I'm I'm almost forty, but we probably listen to a lot of the same hip hop and stuff. But uh, how did you come to conservative politics, living where you live, man? Um. Okay. So it starts in about 2015. My I guess awakening, if you will, occurred because I took an introductory logic course my freshman year of uh, undergraduate. So my, um, my first semester, I took this like CRT-based African-American studies English class. And I came out of that class, you know, kind of like anti-American. I wanted to like abolish white people and all that good stuff. And so the next semester, I took Intro to Logic. And that really was like my formal introduction into critical thinking. I'd never heard of a logical fallacy before that class. And when I took that class, it kind of allowed me to step back, look at things objectively. And um, that was 2015 spring when I took the logic class. And I'd always been interested in politics. So I was going to vote for my first time in the 2016 election. I turned 18 in, uh, in 2015. So that was going to be my first election. I said, if this is going to be my first election, let me do my due diligence. Let me kind of see what the other guys are talking about, at least before I like unabashedly give my allegiance to the democrats and i found that conservatism just made a little more sense to me than liberalism sure yeah absolutely and you and you were unabashedly a supporter of donald trump yeah that was that was my guy so um i kind of um when i was i guess transitioning to this side i was into like the mainstream type you know i thought like um like i had my eye on like ben carson for a little bit but um, Trump came around, and I feel like I was immediately drawn to his anti-establishment mentality. And like, I feel like it was, it was a wrap once I heard him come down the escalators and give that first speech. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, it's it's got to be hard. I, so when, I, when the 2016 election happened, I was living in, in southern Washington, but right across the bridge from Portland, Oregon. Okay, and uh, when when Trump won, I could I could hear out the window like the collective like screeching all through Portland. It was just like crying and screaming. I could hear people down the street like running outside. It sounded like it was New Year's and people were doing fireworks, screaming fireworks or something. It was really absolutely. And you know, I'm a libertarian. I sit on the Libertarian National Committee. Uh, obviously, I voted for uh, Gary Johnson 2016. I worked for Joe Jorgensen last year. Uh, but I I yeah, gotta be honest. There's a little. There's a little portion of me that was like laughing, you know. I was like, "This is hilarious." Uh, the, the, you know, yeah, it was like you know the the, the mass triggering was wonderful because it, it wouldn't to me at the time it didn't really matter, right? Like it was either Trump or Hillary, and yeah. I, you know, I was like, "Well, no matter what." At the time, I was like, "No matter what, we're going to war. No matter what, criminal justice is going to stay the same. No matter what, you know, big uh, big special interests are still going to be a part of politics." I was like, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. So it was kind of funny seeing this triggering of this left that had been so irate with people for so long. And um, uh, but then I was I was happy to see that Trump didn't start any new wars. I thought that was a great thing, uh, you know. And and uh, what was it about? Well, you know, besides the the anti-establishment thing, which I which I understood. I mean, I got it. That you know, for the left, they had Bernie. He was the anti-establishment guy, and uh, and the DNC just kept fucking him over, over and over and over again. For the for the uh, Republicans, they had the anti-establishment guy in Trump, and he probably changed the face of the Republican Party for decades. I mean, you know, they it was this neocon party. You know, it was the uh, party of George Bush and Dick Cheney and John McCain. And these were neocons. These were people who wanted to continue to, to advance imperialism in the Middle East and continue to fight these wars and, um, you know, continue the drug war. And then you, you, Trump comes along. He's like, well, we're not going to start any more wars. And, and you know, it's kind of like, you know, you got people like uh, like John Bolton all freaking out. And, you know, he's like, well, how am I going to, you know, keep doing things in the media? And uh, my stock portfolio. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But how I mean, what you know, what was it outside of that? I mean, was there other other policies that you really enjoyed from from Trump? So I feel like mostly. It was Trump's ability to kind of establish new narratives. So um, I feel like before Trump. Nobody was really talking about like tariffs. People were always talking about immigration, but nobody said, I think we should build a wall. It was always like, oh, let's find a way to give these people citizenship. Um, I think most importantly is just the fact that he, he, for me, like he called out the media and that was something that hadn't been done on like a mass scale. So I feel like he kind of, I feel like he kind of woke up the boomers to say almost, which is just so tremendous because we have to like, we have to build a large coalition of people if we're going to truly stand up to the people in power. Sure. And, and the, you know, that honest to God is one of my favorite things about the Trump presidency was that he, he red pilled so many people on the media and, and showed how the media was the enemy of the people. I mean, we're watching the media tell us things that we know aren't true. I mean, about him, about his, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the entire campaign he was in of the Russian collusion, all this stuff we knew was all a bunch of bullshit. The impeachments were all a sham. You know, if, if for me, it was like, you know, if any of the presidents, I, I would have impeached all the presidents in my entire lifetime, including Trump for, for war crimes. I mean, that's just, right. you know, that's just me. But if we're going to go after, you know, these false boogeymans and, and these boogeymen and not use, you know, the, the stuff that we can prove that has ha- actually actually happened and gone against Congress and all this stuff, then, you know. Um, but so so you 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 mentioned uh, on your on your uh, Twitter, you're the president of the Coon Luminati. Yes, sir. Right, and that's like that's one of those words. It's like, wow, that's that's a fucked up word uh, when it comes. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. like like you know, it's not like I rock around. I live in Iowa. I mean, I could walk around and say it if I want to. I'm not going to. Um, but so so, uh, I mean, what does that mean to you, man? Is it is it because you know the the left is is so hateful? Yeah. So um, I feel like when I kind of transitioned to being, I was always outspoken politically, but when I made the transition from left to right. People would call me the names, you know, you, you hear Uncle Tom, Uncle Ruckus, um, you hear Coon, you hear, um, I, those are like the big three. I feel like I'm missing one, but um, I decided to just embrace the Coon label because I feel like, I feel like it's unique. Like, okay, I'm a Coon. What does that make you? I don't want to be what you are, so I'll just take Coon and I'll run with it. Um, 
So I decided to run with Coon. I was like, yeah, I'm a Coon. So what? Like, it's like, like when people call, when people say, oh, you're racist for voting for Donald Trump. You're like, yeah. And like, they don't really have a, a sort of rebuttal for that because they were expecting to hurt your feelings. They weren't really expecting to engage in the discussion. So I took the Coon and I ran with it. And, um, I figured Coon Luminati just sounded cooler than Coon, so I made my record label Coon Luminati Records. Nice. That's uh that's that's pretty good. That's a, listen, uh I when I was running for chairman of the National Libertarian Party, I ran twice, twenty eighteen and twenty twenty. Uh, a lot of people in my party attacked me. You know, I'm I'm a, a blue collar working class maintenance dude from the West Coast, right? And uh uh, they would just make all kinds of all kinds of obscene shit up about me that I slept on couches, that I couldn't keep a job, that I was a bad dad, all the shit. Uh, and so I actually named my my podcast Couch Streams and put a couch in the Couch Streams, right, just to fucking piss them off. Because uh, you know, one of the best things I ever learned, man, was to you know you, you got to monetize your haters, dude. You know, yeah, dude, and and your haters honestly are your biggest advertisers nobody is going to talk about you as much as your haters like your fans are going to show you love they're going to share it with their people but your haters will like totally drive a new audience and so much attention towards you i remember um when i dropped the song that got banned with bryson gray safe space there were so many libs who were just posting it, talking about, look at this song, these lyrics are horrible. And I'm just like, yes, please feed me the the clicks and the views. I need more people to hear my message. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I, you know, uh, well, I, who was I, who did I just have on? I, man, I do five shows a week. So I like try to remember like everything everybody says. And I'm like, yeah. I, somebody on my show said that, you know, your haters are your biggest fans. They're your biggest undercover fans, man. They watch everything yeah. you do. They scrutinize yeah. it with a, with a pencil. You know what I mean? Um, and I, you know, I have a whole group of people like that. That's called the fake Retarians online. And it's, it's really funny, man. I love it. Um, we got a, our first super chat from low fire Republican $5, man. Thank you. He says, that's when, up. when, when is Jay going to be a lawyer? Archie is building a case against me for being too based. Oh <laughs> yeah. You're, you're in law school, right? Um, no, so I uh, I graduated from law school last May. I studied from May until July for the bar exam. I took the California bar exam July 27th and 28th, and now I'm sort of in purgatory. I'm waiting for my results. I'll get my results back in November. Yeah, those things take forever. Yeah, and it's it's a lot. People always say, like, why does it take so long? But I'll let you know why it takes so long. There's 200 multiple choice questions, and then there's six essays uh, I would say about like 3,000 people take the bar exam. That's a lot of essays these people have to grade, so I understand it. Yeah, that's a lot. And, you know, I, I when I was in nursing school, the NCLEX test, it could take a while to get your results back, too. But it was like a couple weeks, not a couple months, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So so I totally get it, man. It's, it's, a, it's a lot for people to go through, and the law is messy, and, you know, you got to really accurately grade some of that stuff. But, man, uh, so – we got a lot going on right now in in the world. You know, we got we got this crazy COVID shit going on. Obviously, uh, I, I was lucky enough today to live in Iowa, where uh, Iowa, the, the Department of Health in Iowa, just decided today, hey, look, COVID's endemic; it's not going away; it's no longer a pandemic. Uh, they they announced this publicly. Um, it makes me feel good that I live I in Iowa. Hear about that. Yeah, it just it just came out. So so it's funny because I left I left California in March of last year, not this year. Okay. Um, That's like right around the start of the pandemic listen i flew out of san francisco airport at 11 55 p.m and at midnight they started the lockdowns <laughs> you had to get out of there. i was out i was like i'm going to the, i'm going to the land of ranch ranch dressing and corn man you know what i mean and uh, so funny how like different states handle it because you guys over here are making making sense saying it's not going to go away meanwhile I think L.A. County, uh, their health department just announced today masks are required at big events. No matter if you're vaccinated or not, you have to wear a mask if you want to go inside. But at, at this point, um, I stopped complying. Like I, I was I was wearing the mask at the beginning because I didn't want to be the guy, you know, making a scene at your local grocery store. I shop at the same store. I'm not going to show up, make a scene and then come back the next week. You know, I'll put on the mask to buy some groceries or whatever. But I stopped wearing it now. Like it's my form of silent protest. There's there's no reason to do it. Uh, it makes no sense. So I just stopped wearing it. And um, surprisingly, since they reinstated the mandates uh, for masks, I would say about a month ago. And surprisingly, I've only had like two people say something to me. 
Sure. Yeah, I uh, I put the mask on like five times in the last year and a half, dude. And and my family didn't. And we kept going. It was funny because you know last year we'd be the only family in the store with no mask. And and slowly you start to see more people without the mask, you know. And finally, oh. finally now you go and it's like it's the complete opposite of it, what it was last year, where it was like we were the only family. Now there's only one family with masks in there, you know. And they're right. and they're the ones who are like everyone stay away from everybody, you know. It's like real. Yeah. hold my hands across the aisles. Yeah, it's like you know you're you know to me it's like it's child abuse to put your six year old kid in a mask. Like it's it's really yeah. just ridiculous. Like let them breathe air. Like there's nothing wrong with it. We've been doing it for millennia. Well, it's 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 that, and it's you know, it's also ruining their their development. I mean, it's just so much uh, so much crazy stuff, man. I don't get it. Um, but this, so the Afghan thing. Okay, so so Trump was going to pull us out of Afghanistan. He you know he probably he was the one that started brokering the deal. Um, he may have done it less messy than Biden. I don't know. As a, as a libertarian, I've been calling to pull. <laughs> I've been calling to pull out of out of uh, Afghanistan since like two thousand and five when I got out of the military, because um, I joined right after 9-11, right? Like, I joined... Oh, wow. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, 9-11 happened. I joined the military. I was at war. I, I was on a ship. I was on, on a carrier in the middle of the Gulf, and uh, we were bombing Iraq. And, I, you know, I, I talk about this shit on the show all the time, but I was like... I was like, why the fuck are we bombing Iraq? They had nothing to do... <laughs> nothing to do whatsoever with 9-11, you know? Um, and, but, but, you know, that's the, around the same time the Afghanistan... The war in Afghanistan started. I mean, you were probably, what, three, four years old, two uh, or three? Yeah. yeah, right around there. I was four when 9-11 happened. Yeah, and so, and so, you know, I've been calling to pull out of there forever. And Joe, you know, it, it, there's a, a portion of me that wants to talk so much shit about Joe Biden that at first I had to stop when he's giving the speech and be like, okay, what's their angle here? Why are they doing this? You know what I mean? Like, why are they pulling out of Afghanistan? And then I had to remember, like, no, dude, this is what you've been calling for for uh, two decades. I mean, pull the fuck out, you know? And, uh, you know, it was like the government was kind of like in this whole, like, my, you know, my couch pulls out, but we don't kind of, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and so um, it's a good thing. And I know it's messy, but I mean, where you know, as a conservative, where do you stand on that stuff, man? So um, I guess even when I was a liberal, I was always anti-war. I just I, n- I never really liked the idea of war. It didn't make sense, and especially um, I was I was young when when all the stuff happened. But I feel like I kind of got politically aware almost when I was like nine or ten, and um, it just didn't make sense to me, like. I don't know why I, I I could never process why we went into two countries over one incident. First of all, it was like inconsistent there. And then um, like we went after Osama, but we didn't really go after him. And then we kind of got him and it just seemed like so dragging, dragging on. And so as I got older, um, it still never made sense to me. We had that surge, didn't really make any sense. So I just feel like it just doesn't make sense. And I think we should get out. And it is kind of weird to, I guess have Joe Biden be the one to finally bring us out. Cause it's like, for me, I don't ever want to compliment the guy, but I do have to commend him. Cause I mean, he, he did it. And like you said, like Trump might've done it a little cleaner, but it still probably would have been messy. And I don't see a situation where it would ever be a peaceful withdrawal anyway, with all the conflict and chaos that's going over there. I think we should just kind of uh, leave it alone at this point and let them kind of get things situated. Yeah, I was uh, talking to my neighbor earlier tonight. She's, they're wonderful people. That, that um, amazing, amazing people. Best neighbor. They're, they've been so supportive of us with our giant ass family right next door. But uh, she was she was talking to me about it, you know, and uh, and she's like, "Yeah, but like the Taliban's taking back over, you know." And I said, "That was always going to happen. <laughs> like, right. I, like regardless of us, if we had pulled out." You know, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, the Taliban was always going to take back over because we, you know, if you read the Afghanistan papers, which I've talked about a lot over the last couple of days, I, and we almost got it trending yesterday. If you guys have an opportunity, post on your Twitter with hashtag the Afghanistan papers. Uh, it's really close to, to trending and it's thousands and thousands of tweets with it now. Um, but, you know, if you look at the Afghanistan papers, we, it's clear that we were lied into this war in Afghanistan. They knew we could never win it. Uh, they never had stated goals. The the objectives kept changing. Uh, they knew we weren't going to win. And in fact, I think it was uh, 2006 or maybe maybe later, um, 
the Taliban was going to hand Osama bin Laden over and we de- we declined. You know what I mean? It's like, what's the fucking point? You know? And so, um, like, nah, we don't really want to end this war yet. You guys can keep them. Yeah. It's, it, it really, it really kind of makes you understand that there was probably some ulterior motives there. I know they had a yep. really large poppy, uh, production there yeah just a coincidence that our country has a the worst uh opiate problem in the in the world and uh we you know we're taking over the country that has all the opiate fields and and you know the lithium is probably run dry by now over there and so it's it's probably a good time to pull out i don't know how much more money you know raytheon and all them people are going to make but um so so yeah I, man uh, i think the first oh, yeah, part about it all no, I just I think the worst part about it all is that we spent 20 years, I guess, building up the Afghan government so they could fight the Taliban. And they went down in the blink of an eye. It's just it's such a waste of money. When you think about the trillions of dollars that we spent and how it could have been spent on Americans, it could have helped us out. We could have been building our nation instead of Afghanistan. Yeah, absolutely. Twenty. I, that's what I said on Twitter. I said, uh you know, 20 years of nation building uh, ended in, in overnight. I mean, you know, it was like we were playing Imperial and and trying to nation build and trying to install democracy. And we trained 300,000 Afghan. Tr- yeah, we did. We we uh, we we trained 300,000 Afghan troops. And, and there's only like, what, 50,000, 60,000 Taliban members. And uh, the troops that we trained just took off. They were out, you know, it's like, it's like, what was the fucking point? 20 years, all the lives right. lost, you know, and, and this is where we're at. Like, Jesus, dude, give me a break. Um, yeah, it's just insane, man. But let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. Let's talk rap. I'm a, hip, let's do it. I'm a hip hop fan. You know, I grew up let's on, go. yeah, I grew up on the, I grew up on the, uh, the California gangster rap, but you know, my favorite rappers were like Sacramento rappers, like Bro- brother Lynch and, and Sebo okay. and X-rated and Mr. Doctor and all them guys. So, okay, um, that's real. yeah, but I listen to, I listen to all this shit too. I listen to a lot of, you know, I listen to punk rock and, and hardcore metal and all that stuff too. But, um, we got a, we got a $10 super chat from Marshall Ford. He said, what are Patriot J's four essential albums that he can't live without? Oh, Dang, that's a great question. A All right, let me one. think about this for a second. Uh, okay, I'll just list like four albums that I think are really good. Um, Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I think that's probably like one of the best albums ever recorded in the history of music. Um I'm a huge Tyler the Creator fan. Nice. Goblin probably is my favorite album from him. I would throw that in there. Um, I'm gonna throw Green Day's Dookie in there too. And then, um, ooh, I would say, damn, maybe uh. What's heavy in my rotation right now? Maybe like, um, maybe like an Eminem album. Um, it's not going to be old M, probably like new M. Like, I'll go with Music to Be Murdered by side A and B since it's like a compilation. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, Green Day Dookie is the album that got me into punk rock, if you could believe that at all. Uh, I got that when I was really, really young. I just discovered that album probably like four months ago. It's uh, it's one of those. It's definitely an essential album on my musical journey. I'm not like the biggest Green Day fan now. I, I actually went and saw him a couple of years ago live, and it was it was fantastic. If you've never seen Green Day live, those guys uh, literally will play for like three hours, and they're in their fifties. Oh, I'm I'm seeing them uh, September third in they're, LA. They're so Sorry. much fun to watch, man. I I saw them with uh, I want to say it was like Weezer or something, dude. But uh, they yeah, they're. I, I'm going to see them with Weezer and Fall Out Boy. I don't really listen to them. I'm, I just got the ticket for Green Day, but <laughs> yeah, Fall Out Boy's good, man. I, I I like Fall Out Boy. Weezer, I I lost Weezer in the in the like late '90s, I think. But um, yeah. So so what what I mean, what was it that made you want oh, to wait, rap? Wait, wait. Time out, time out. Can I go back to the album question? Yes. I'm going to get rid of the Eminem selection, and I have to replace it with uh, Prodigy from Mob Deep, his final solo album, The Hegelian Dialectic. I think that is probably the most important body of work in all of hip-hop it's it's like a really good rap album and he's dropping bars he's giving you knowledge he's giving you esoteric secrets so yeah that i i definitely cannot live without that album sure absolutely yeah i uh mob deep was great man i i liked some of the east coast stuff uh 
I uh, I really like um, uh, God Nas's new album. I don't know if you've listened to that at all. Not yet, not yet. Dude, it's fire. It's probably it's probably one of the best albums he's ever put out. Eminem did not come hard on it though. Oh yeah, I listened I listened to that song for sure, and it was, uh, it was a little weird. Yeah, Nas did great, and then I was like, oh yeah, man, what happened? He's like old. He's like old, you know. He's like he's like getting ready he's for just, the. It's like too technical almost. It's kind of scary. It's like, hey, bro, you don't have to do all this every time. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, but uh, so I mean, what were some influences for you besides you know your four most essential albums uh, to to start rapping? Um. Are you sick to death of pussyfooting around the truth while being constantly fed lies by news and big tech tyrants? If so, then come join me, Dan Smots, on The System Is Down, where we get weird, have fun, and dig into all the dangerous taboo topics like conspiracies, politics, religion, culture, current events, and everything your family just prays you don't bring up around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And I know that reality is scary to some people, so if you're easily offended, just ignore this and go back to making cat memes or whatever. But if you're ready to change the world for the better, come join me on The System Is Down at tsidpod.com or wherever you get podcasts. That's tsidpod.com because the system is down and truth is taking over. So I started rap kind of on a fluke. Um, I had a YouTube channel back in the day when I was like 12. This was probably like 2009. I would just upload like silly skits. And then one day my digital camera broke. So I was like thinking, I was like, hmm, I need to give my subscribers some sort of content. What can I do? So I plugged in a Guitar Hero microphone and I just freestyled over this like Drake song for four minutes. And I uploaded like a couple different freestyle raps. And that was the first time I ever like recorded a rap song, ever even attempted to rap. And it's it's really garbage, but it's just, it's so funny. I was rapping about like what I did in middle school that day. Um, so going forward from there, I kind of started taking it serious. like when I graduated high school and entered college, um, I would say my biggest musical influences are definitely Drake, Tyler, the creator system of a down, uh, Eminem and then mob deep. Nice. Yeah. That's great, man. Uh, uh, system of down. That's a, that's, that's one you don't hear every day from a, from a hip hop artist, man. Yeah, dude, I, I I grew up on um I grew up on Soad for sure. Like I think I was probably before I got into rap music, I was I guess into like the metal almost and like alternative stuff because my dad plays guitar, so he put me on when I was a kid. Sure. Um, so my favorites when I was around like seven to ten were Green Day, My Chemical Romance, and System of a Down. Yeah, well, and it's Southern California too, man. It's like hard to stay yeah. out of that rock scene when you live down there. Yeah, true that. My uh, when I, when I was in the Navy, I was stationed in San Diego, and uh, it was like I had always been a fan of like hardcore and punk rock, and it just like moving to San Diego just like boosted that to the, the extreme. I mean, right. I was driving two hours away to go up to like you know or uh, what was it uh, uh, Corona to the Glass House to see shows there, okay. Dri- driving to uh, Pomona to, to to or no the Glass House was in Pomona. The uh, what was in Corona the Showcase Theater, Jerry's Pizza in Bakersfield. I was like, I gotta go to all these shows, you know, it's because there's just shows every night, yeah. like everywhere. Yeah. I don't think people understand that about Southern California. I mean, it's it really is, and and then the Bay Area's got it too. But it's you know you're like pretty much San Francisco and Oakland. You know what I mean? And then Sacramento, if you want to. That's what I miss most about uh, pre-COVID life, going to live shows so much. Because I had um, I, I had a roommate who worked in music, so I would get like free concert tickets on the most random days. It would be like Wednesday, and we would just go see a random rap show, and those. Those are really some fun. Yeah, that's uh, we just I just took my nine year old son to see Ra Ra the Rugged Man and uh, Afro, and it was oh. like, dude, it was so sick. Afro Afro's from uh, Southern California too, but um, yeah, that was really? uh, yeah, I think he's from, I'm pretty sure he's from the L A area. Afro. Yeah, the way he sounds, I would have no clue. Yeah, because he does. He's got that East Coast flow, like the the bars, yeah. the way they do it. Um, but he, they're like the technical kind of rappers. Ra the Rugged Man's always been like that too. Uh, but my yeah. you know my 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 son's like into the mumble rap and shit, and so I was like, I'm gonna take you to. A, <laughs> I'm gonna take you to a hip hop show, dude. This is yeah. he's like, I don't know, he didn't know what to expect. You know, it was like this really swanky, like like a cocktail lounge bar kind of place with a big stage, <laughs> uh-huh. you know. And he's like at first he's like all nervous, you know, and then and then they start going and he's like, They're really good. Why don't the rappers <laughs> I listen to sound like this? I'm like, This is a this is almost <laughs> yeah. a lost form here, buddy. This is like you know what I mean? Um Truly. Yeah, it was uh, R and R. It was cool. He like signed his hat and hung out with him for a minute. Took pictures with him and Afro too. Those guys were great. But uh, 
Yeah, man. So, so I mean, what you know, you started a record label, right? How's how's that going? Uh, it's cool. I'm the only artist, so there's not uh, much uh, manage. The only artist so far. Yes, <laughs> only artist yet. Managing myself. Um, I set my own schedule. Set my own work plans. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's cool. Now that I'm done with school, I feel like I get to put more uh, more time and energy towards music. A lot of law school, I wasn't writing a lot because I was reading every day, and it was just kind of it kind of drained the creative juices from me. But now I get to have more time, and then hopefully down the line, I'll have a little more money to funnel into the music, and things can only go up from here. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's how that's how it works. You got to start somewhere. Uh, so I listened to some of your songs. Grifty's freestyle is probably my favorite one so far. I really like that song a lot. It's a good one. But you uh, you did a song with Anomaly, dude, which is is wild. That guy's uh, he's big. He's big shit, especially after the MAGA stuff. I mean, he's he got really big. What was that like? How was how was hanging out with that guy? It was cool. So um, the song I have with Anomaly, it's the eighth track on my album, Thought Criminal. Um, I wrote the song after i had been canceled so there was this uh there was this girl from my hometown she knows me we're friends i thought so at least she sent some of my tweets to my school because she wanted to get me like expelled or something and she also sent them to the california bar admissions the tweets in question were raunchy but i don't know i get on twitter and i make jokes every day people know that it's all fun you know it's just in jest so i made a joke about blm that she didn't like i made a joke about somali immigrants in minnesota that she didn't like and so she felt that uh she had to get me out of here so i'm really glad that she did that because i wrote the song and i was thinking to myself when i was writing the song like i feel like i need somebody else on this but i don't know who i would get and then it hit me i said let me reach out to anomaly um so shout out to Shout out to Mike Cernovich, firstly, for introducing me to Anomaly. He he connected us back at, like, some political event in Southern California. So um, when I figured out I wanted him on the song, I just DM'd him. I said, hey, bro, got this song for you. I want you to get on it. Let me know what you think. And he was like, yeah, like, if if it's a good song, I'll get on it. If not, no promises. And he liked the song. And it was really cool because I sent him the song to get his verse. And I swear, he sent me back his verse within probably a couple hours. I was not expecting that. He wrote the verse really quick. And um, I was gonna, I was just going to throw it on my album. And then he actually suggested that we shoot a music video for it. So I said, it's a great idea, bro. We should do that. I hit up my director friend, Jalen. And then I met up with Anomaly down in Orange County, which is, uh, for those who don't know, it's kind of like the Republican stronghold in Southern California. So we shot the video out there. We were out there all day. It was really fun. Anomaly is such a, he's like a really chill dude. Um, very down to earth. There's like, there's, he's got no ego. I feel like he was super easy to talk to and just hang out with. Yeah, he seems like a really nice guy, man. And despite my disagreements with the MAGA, the MAGA movement, you know, I, I try to find the good in everybody. And he, he always seemed like a really like cool, different. I mean, for the, you know, for the conservatives, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny because you know, I was a, I was a you know conservative. I was actually a neocon prior to uh, 9/11, and um, even some after 9/11. But I, I was questioning my my uh, political identity, if you will. You know, um, something's pretty easy to change. But uh, so so uh, um, there was like a very set like bar for who was conservative you know what i mean it was like and and so like it's kind of cool to see the new generation coming in and uh conservatives are a little bit you know they're different you know it's not they're not the same you got people like anomaly and and you and and i'm you know just like it's it's like a whole new generation of people it was you never you didn't see a lot of conservative rappers you know what i mean you didn't see a lot of conservative people that were into holistic health you know what i mean like and that's what that's what we're seeing now especially with the you know people are getting red pilled on the COVID thing conservatives are getting red pilled on on uh holistic health you know yeah yeah, it's such a beautiful thing to see (laughs) yeah it's wild dude like you know we're getting like these crunchy like like crunchy organic conservatives like when did that start that was never a thing that was always the left you know and now and now the left's all like basically asking for uh, you know authoritarian police states and you're going yes only your papers yeah and i'm like wait a minute what happened you guys switch did they switch teams again is that what's going on you know what i mean Um, (laughs) that's the real party switch no i 
I, I definitely think like, I don't know what it is, but something did switch because when I was younger, uh, I always felt like the Democrats were the anti-establishment people. You know, they were anti-war. They were always standing up to the Republicans. And then, um, I don't know, Trump gets into office and somehow something switches in the Democrats' mind to turn them into like crazy uh, control freaks. And now it's just like it's a totally different party from what they were even like 10 years ago. Yeah, I contend that they've always been control, crazy control freaks, at least when it comes to, I don't know, school choice, uh, mo yeah. most bodily autonomy that they don't agree with. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, let's see. Uh, your Your money your job your school you know it's just it's just wild dude but l let's talk a little more about you someone trying to get you kicked out of school dude that's crazy somebody trying to get you kicked out of law school imagine trying to get someone kicked out of law school over tweets look bro so all right i'll tell you the tweets in question so this is um we got to take it back to i want to say late may early june 2020 so this is like peak blm i think george floyd was just killed uh the energy's high they're doing lots of protests across the nation so i tweet um i'm about to get my donations popping i'm going to change my venmo from my name to something like minnesota defense fund be right back and then i changed my venmo i attached a screenshot i said something like uh please retweet my friends collecting supplies for blm and so <laughs> I, I made that joke because i know i've been around the game for quite some time longer than your average um i guess longer than your average apolitical person who only gets involved in political in politics when the media tells them so i know that when people donate to these large funds to get people out of jail or funds for blm a black person doesn't usually see this money you know none of the money actually benefits the community so i was kind of poking fun at that i also um she i had a, i had a private twitter at the time she sent some screenshots from there too i think the most damning thing i said was uh this was like right after the riots and i want to say it was like minneapolis i said we got to get these somalis out of here they're burning our country to the ground so she sent those tweets to my school and the bar and i will um I'll read you the email that she sent because first of all, when she, uh, she tweeted out the emails that she sent because, um, I guess she was disappointed. She had said something like, I'm so disappointed and she forgot to block me. And because I was her friend, I was following her. So I watched this tweet go up in real time. So she sends, um, she sends this tweet to my school. She goes, good afternoon. I am a blank student who has been made aware of fraud being done by a Pepperdine law student. His name is Jordan Dixon Hamilton, and he has not only been making racist remarks, but is actively engaging in deceiving those who want to support the Black Lives Matter movement. I have attached some pictures and would like to remain anonymous as he is from my hometown. I believe this goes against everything Pepperdine University stands for, and it would be a shame to have a lawyer think like this. He is intending to act fraudulently. I have attached some pictures from his public account and his private account. Thank you. Wait. And so, well, what rubs me I was told that black people can't be racist, though. Ah, thank you. Thank you. So I hate it. And so uh, she's a white girl who sent this. And it Shocking. just bugs me so much because I don't know how you can be a white person talking about Black Lives Matter, let's support black Americans, let's do good for them, and then try to attack me, a black American who is trying to better myself and my family and my community by going to school and earning a legal education. She wanted to take this away from me, and it's it only further proves to me the fact that these people do not care about black lives. They simply care about liberal politics. Right. Well, and that's what something I said uh, several times. Black lives only matter to Democrats every four years. That's it. Yeah. It's the only time they actually fucking matter. Um, but do you agree with the phrase that white women must be stopped? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. White men, y'all got to handle that because they are Oh God, so self righteous. That's, I don't know. That's my uh, my good friend, Base King Nick Ashley. Uh, he he always says white white women must be stopped. I've been eating every time I make you the big screen. I take a bite of pizza, and I just realize I got pizza in my beard. Sorry, guys. I apologize. <laughs> the people that aren't watching this that only listen to it on the podcast, you guys miss out on so much good stuff here live. I promise you, you should be watching the lives. But uh, but yeah, uh, Base King Nick believes one hundred percent that until we can never fix the world until white women are stopped. So yeah, somebody's got to 
handle that. It just blows my mind, dude. They're like, you're like a you know a, a, a smart, educated black guy going to, going to college to become a, a a fucking lawyer, and they want to take that away from you because they don't agree with your we politics. Gotta we gotta stop that. Like, come on, it's ridiculous. There's this, you know, and then if it's somebody they like, they have to save them because they can never make anything of themselves without you know without the great savior white person. So it's it's really right. wild, man. It's really wild. Oh, dude. I have, I so much beef with white liberals, man. Yeah, they're they're just the worst because they, you know, it's it's like who are you fucking protecting? You're not protecting anybody. You're push. You're you're literally using black people to push your political fucking ideology. I mean, that's really what yeah. it is. If it, if it wasn't black people, it's it's a gay person when they need it. If it's not a gay person, they'll find a Mexican. If it's not a Mexican, they'll do a short a, a short stint of Asian hate. You know. Yep. No doubt about it, man. Now everybody's gonna make pizza jokes in my damn chat. God. You know, I get it, dude. I get it. Obama's definitely eating pizza right now. I get it. I get it. Uh, so, man, what's 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 coming up? Oh yeah, lots of pizza. My, uh, you know, dude, it's funny the PizzaGate thing. I, I think that I'll get kicked off YouTube if I really get into that someday. But um, yeah, let's not talk about it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they hate the pizza on YouTube so much. I, you know, I, I enjoy pizza, just not young pizza. You know what I mean? So, uh, right. uh, but what do you got? What do you got coming up next, man? What else you got going on? Um, so I am waiting for my bar results in November or until November. So right now I'm just trying to focus on content. I guess I have, um, I got a couple songs to record this week that I'm probably going to record, uh, on the weekend. And then, um, I got a feature with, uh, Chandler Krupp coming up soon. Um, so I'm just going to use this kind of downtime before I start my legal career just to focus on raps. Hopefully I'll put out an album sometime like spring. Maybe that's what I'm shooting for. Yeah. Nice dude. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's the rap game. It's like one of those things you got to put out a new album every six months, man. You know yeah. I mean? See, it's ridiculous. And I, I hate that completely. Uh, cause it just, it doesn't give time for the listener to sit with the album. Um, and it forces the, the artist to kind of just, put songs in an assembly line and just get them out of there they can't they don't have the time to work on it that's why um that's why i appreciate tyler the creator a lot because he drops the album it's consistently every uh two years and you know within those two years he's actually working on something yeah. and it, it, it it's you can tell from like the product yeah. or i hate when people are like yeah i just freestyled this song or like i freestyled this whole album and i'm like yeah bro i can tell it does not sound that good <laughs> yeah you're like yeah those those bars man not great <laughs> i you know it's funny there was a time in my life when i wanted to be a rapper uh my oh, let's go yeah I, I i can actually rap a little bit i'm not gonna do it here i'm not i'm not a great freestyle rapper at all uh my brother my older brother who's a year older than me he goes by the name of con man and he was actually the only white dude to ever rap with rbl posse uh, which is pretty oh, cool yeah it. Yeah, and he did a, he did a couple songs with them, and then uh, his his really good friend was Young Thug YT, not not the famous fa- super famous Young yeah. Thug, but YT from RBL Posse, and uh, we used to go over to his house, and he had like a, a little recording studio. He lived in like Discovery Bay, like gated community, you know. It's like they're from they're from Hunters Point, San Francisco, you know, and they like live in this this gated community now in the, in on the Delta. Uh, yeah. but, um, and uh, we'd get all drunk, and they'd have these big house parties, and I'd go into the booth and do, like, hooks and stuff with them. And I was like, I'm going to be a famous rapper. And yeah. it, and yeah. it's, isn't it so much fun just, like, recording in a booth? Yeah, dude, it's cool. And, uh, you know, I've been a musician mo- most of my life, but I played bass and drums and sang in, like, heavy metal bands and all kinds of stuff, too. But the rapping thing, I was like, I'm going to do this. is going to work. I could do this. I can't sing. <laughs> but I could talk fast, so I could do this, you know. But I, it never really, it never really became my thing, man. And I wish, I, I wish I would have done more for sure, man. Uh, so, so uh, you know, you got any, you got any good uh, teasers about songs you got coming out soon, or what? Um, nah, nothing, nothing concrete other than like. So the songs I'm recording this weekend, I have to record them this weekend because they're I, I got to send them to somebody. I only have a hook so far, but uh, it's 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 gonna come out pretty nice, I think. Nice, nice. Any collabs you're working on? Um, so yeah, I got song with Chandler Crump coming soon. One with uh, Carlos Rossi, I think that's his name. Um, another with my buddy DC Capital. Um, yeah, that's it right now. I kind of want to focus on more collabs because uh, the only collab I had on my album was the song with Anomaly. Sure. And so now that there's, um, I feel like the conservative hip hop scene is kind of growing and expanding. So um, now that there are more artists, I just want to work with them all and kind of 
get get content out there and flood the streets. Yeah, that's what you know. That's it's the culture war, man. Really, that's what it is. It's uh, you know, the more we can flood culture with uh, right and and libertarian and liberty based views, uh, the better, man. And yep. that's that's why I appreciate people who are making music, doing podcasts. You know, I got a lot of libertarian, uh, smaller libertarian podcasters that come to me and they're like, they're like, I want to do a podcast, and do you think I should do it? I know the market's really flooded. And I have to constantly remind people, like, yo, the market is not flooded for this kind of media at all. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like we are, it's we are getting started. Really? Yeah, we're we're. And I was talking with Jack Hunter last night, who's a big conservative uh, uh, political commentator, and he he he's talking about populism. It's true. Like we're the we're the little guy still. I mean, you know this this uh, this liberty based politics is still the little guy, and we're still up against this machine. And so, the more media we can make, the more content we can make, the more music we can make, the more you know liberty based comics we have. I mean, just we really need to flood the market with liberty. <laughs> because the you know politics is downwind from culture so once the culture moves the overton window moves and then the political structure moves so i appreciate what you're doing man really really great stuff uh you want to tell people where they can find you how they can support you how they can listen to you all that great stuff yeah so um october 2020 i dropped a 10 track album the patriot jlp if you search patriot j Wherever you listen to music, whether it be SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Tidal, you'll find it. Uh, my website, PatriotJ2024.com. It's got all the information and stuff. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at SirHottest. I'm on Instagram, at SirHottest as well, though I'm way more active on Twitter. Um, if you're in the Vegas area, if anybody's in the Vegas area listening, I will be in Vegas next Friday, August 27th, and I will be performing live. It's... Um, it's the second leg of my post-bar United States tour. So I had a show in Palmdale. Uh, I'm doing Vegas. And then I got Midland, Texas in September. And then October, I will be at the American Priority Festival in Miami. I'm looking forward to going to Florida for my first time. That's going to be pretty dope. Do Florida fucking rules. I'm not going to lie to you, man. It's a, it's a really fun time. You're not going to want to leave. They look like they have so much fun down there, especially in Miami, bro. I it's it's uh, I had my good friend Stephen Nicola, who's been on the show before. He's the he's actually the chair of the Libertarian Party of Florida, but he's he's based, dude, like super based. And uh, yeah. I went to Miami. We had a, a meeting there for the LNC, and he took me out down in South Beach and shit, man. And we were like bump, bumping like Night at the Roxbury music and shit, rolling down, dude. It was <laughs> just the coolest experience. He's got like this really fast Dodge uh, Charger. It's like the the I don't know the the, the SV, SVT or whatever, uh, and it was just it was so cool. It was such a cool experience because I had never you know I had never been to Miami. That was the furthest south I'd ever been in Florida. And, right. Man, it was really really a good time. But brother, I appreciate you very much. If you can uh, just hold on for a couple minutes while I close out the show, we'll start the members only stream. If that's cool with you, sounds good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you again. All right, guys, another awesome episode of Break the Cycle. Uh, Patriot J is super cool, man. Go follow him. Uh, he's become one of my favorite one of my favorite uh, Twitter follows. The guy's the guy's killing it. He's got great music. He's a good voice for uh, for the generation. So definitely support the man where you can. Uh, also support my show. Go check out patreon.com backslash Break the Cycle JS or the same at Subscribe Star. Or you guys can join the YouTube channel right here for six bucks a month or five bucks a month. Uh, and you get all the custom emojis that you see in the in the live chat. You get the custom badges that say how long you've been a member of the channel. Plus, you get to watch the after-hour stream after every single show, or at least most shows. There's a couple that don't have them, but there's like 30 after-hour streams up there with all kinds of people from Tom Woods to uh, Stefan Kinsella to Maj Ture. There's going to be one tonight live with uh, with Patriot J. Uh, it's it's really a cool experience for five bucks a month, six bucks a month. So uh, definitely check that out if, if you can. Also check out our sponsors, of course, my good friend, my partner on Break the Cycle, the coolest guy you know, TopLobster.com for all your wonderful graphic design needs. I'll, I'll stand up a little bit and show you this shirt. That's that's the one I saw someone in the chat saying they couldn't see the whole shirt. I did move my camera closer, so I understand. Uh, you can get this great Scott Horton in the Wars hoodie that I'm wearing tonight. For 10% off by using BTC at checkout at toplopsa.com or join the links that I just talked about. Get into the private Discord server with awesome people uh, for you know all different prices depending on what you do. And you can get all of his new gear up to two weeks before it goes to general population at like a 30% discount. Really pays for itself, man. Definitely. And of course, executive producer of the show, anthemplanning.com for all your emergency and crisis planning needs. Check them out today. See what they can do for your business, home, or personal life. They're doing a wonderful job that the government has historically sucked at much cheaper and much more efficiently. I promise you will not be let down. Guys, coming up on the show tomorrow, 
Professional funny man Eric Jackman is going to be coming on the show. Dude does one of the best Trump impersonations I've ever heard. I know he does other really cool impersonations, too. He's really funny. He goes on uh, Reed Coverdale's show all the time for the Four Horsemen. It's going to be a fun show. On Thursday, we're going to have Shane Hazel on the show from Radical Podcast. He's been going through some shit in the movement. We're going to talk about that and uh, everything he's up to and, of course, his gubernatorial run for Georgia. And on Friday, Jared of Hoppian.org will be on the show to uh, really embarrass Lulberts. I think that's what we're going to talk about. We're probably going to get into uh, monarchy, Hoppa stuff all that great stuff secession it's going to be a good show definitely check it out i will see you tomorrow for the show with eric jackman but until then don't forget to break the cycle due to legal reasons i just have to explain the lyrics of my last song may seem to contain a violent call to action in the verse of the frame but i just landed in minecraft the helicopter part was in reference to gta 5 and the things you do so any violence you commit i am not an excuse because i just landed in minecraft a chipper is my friend and he's constantly cold Accusations of incitement getting totally old Make your own choices, yeah, you have control Because I just landed in Minecraft Obviously I would never advocate force Unless there's due process and a trial, of course And if you're convicted, we will make you a corpse In Minecraft, just in Minecraft You're nothing I mean, you know it No product is getting close to COVID Holy shit, I think